Verse 9, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. We are um, into a series at uh, SBC, and um, it's called How to Move in a Season of Spiritual Vitality and Maturity. And the short series was born out of a survey that was done over about 300,000 Christians, and they were asked, what are the factors, what are the foremost factors that helped you grow quickly and helped you come out of the spiritual wilderness. And uh, four things emerged. Uh, they were right at the top. And the one was b the Bible, prayer, uh, friendship, and giving or finances. So we're going to concentrate on relationships today. Relationships have a dynamic impact upon our spiritual lives. And let me say that again. Relationships have a dynamic relationship in our spiritual lives. And I only really understood that when we church planted in Switzerland. It took us many, many months to, to get going in our church plant because it was so barren. And for the first time in 40 years, we were outside of Christian fellowship and outside of friendship, of Christian friends. And it was miserable. We were miserable. We were in a state of depression. We were, we were battling. And um, it, it took 40 years to realize how dynamic relationships really are and how we need them. We need them desperately. We cannot prosper and we cannot grow spiritually without relationships. And so we cannot take it for granted. You know, you take your health for granted at times, don't you? And then when you get sick, uh, you realize just how much you're missing, how much um, you, you're lacking, and you get back into looking after yourself, you exercise, and, and you go for it. Let me take my watch off. Oh, there is a watch over there. I see. That, that's helpful. That's helpful. Uh, the Australians ring a bell when you go over time, so <laughs> just, just, just ring a bell, w would you? So, relationships is criti critically important. So how then do we develop and deepen relationships? And I want to speak to you on very basic issues, but sometimes we neglect them, and sometimes we don't do them very well. And the first one is to be regular in our Sunday attendance. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 says, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us not give up meeting as some were doing at that time. That's why it was written. It was even written then. So all the more in our day and age when all the pressures are on not to be regular in, in our worship. Counsel somebody a couple of weeks ago, and uh, they came from another church, and uh, I was just questioning them about their Christian life. And one of the, one of the issues that... They were, ne they were not regular in their Christian li li life. 
and their life was in a mess. Now, I found over the years that those who are not regular in fellowship get into a mess. They, they, their lives start spiraling downwards. We, it, it's so important to be consistent and to be regular. And, and, you know, it is a holy day, after all. Jesus said, put aside this day, honor this day, and honor me uh, in this day. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 instructs us to encourage each other. It's, it's, it's in the realm of, of meeting together. That, that's the context of here. The context is our coming to worship on a Sunday. It says, encourage one another. It's an instruction. It's, it's an encouragement for us to encourage one another. So we encourage by being regular, don't we? We encourage others to be regular. We encourage others when we are here, we encourage one another in, in our faith. So our attendance is an encouragement. The, uh, we were church planting in, in Hrabo, and there was a couple, a young missionary couple, and they were such a delight. And occasionally they went and did one of those crazy triathlon things. And when uh, Daz and Lisa were not there, it was like a big gap, you know? It's like, where are they? And of course, the, the next time they were there and said, Ah, oh, we missed you, we missed you. I'm, I'm sure you, you have people in your fellowship. It's like, ah, you know, we missed you. And, 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 and we, we encourage one another just by our presence. We encourage one another by our conversation, don't we? By our conversation. And um, in Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 21, it says, The lips of the righteous instruct and feed many. The lips of the righteous feed many. So we are fed in the word of God here from the pulpit, and we feed one another as well. And we need to be open to how God wants us to encourage others by feeding them in the Word of God. So stay for fellowship afterwards. Stay over a cup of... Don't rush away, but stay and, and minister to one another. We uh, encourage each other in our joyful worship, in our sincere and joyful, joyful worship, don't we? Last time... Uh, I said to you how, how blessed I was by, by your worship, and I was blessed again by, by, by the worship, the sincere and joyful worship again. Uh, I, I worship the Lord on my own uh, at home. I enjoy singing. I don't sing too well. It says make a joyful noise to the Lord, and, um, and I do that sometimes. Uh, one, one of the pastors, I was a youth pastor, and it was this beautiful spring morning, and he bounced into the pulpit and he said make a noiful joys unto the Lord make a noiful joys unto the Lord and of course that was it he couldn't preach that day he didn't know what he was saying what did I say wrong and nobody told him so yeah um, and I'm sure some of you do worship God God but there's some things at home but there's something special about being part of the fellowship of the saints there's something special about Worshiping God together. Imagine what is going to be like in glory when we worship together. And there's going to be, you know, um, a thunderous sound of worship and praise. I'm looking forward to that. We uh, encourage one another as we forge relationships together, don't we? We forge relationships as we come and we stay for coffee. We come early. We get to know people. And those relationships sometimes last forever. They go on and on and on and they, they encourage us. And we encourage others by welcoming newcomers to, to our midst. Have you ever been on holiday and you've been to a church and you've been overwhelmed by the welcome? You say, wow, that's a church that I could go to. 
And there are other churches like you go in, you go out, you, you're Mr. Invisible or Mrs. Invisible. It's like, no ways. There's no ways I, I'm going to go to that church. Church growth, growth experts say that you need to establish at least six relationships as a newcomer. Uh, if newcomers don't establish six new relationships within six months, they're not likely to stay in that church. So there, there's a big responsibility, but a, a, a huge blessing in, in that to, to, to invite people home. We went to a church in Durban, and uh, we had coffee afterwards, and, 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 and some folk, a scientist said, and his family said, what are you doing just now? He said, Come for lunch, you know. It's like, wow. We stayed at, at the church, and we developed uh, relationships. Relationships. We're talking about relationships. Did you get it? Relationships, relationships, relationships. And um, we need to be honest about forging relationships if we are honest about growing, if we honestly want to grow or want to come out of the spiritual wilderness. We need to develop those relationships. Unfortunately, many, many people, um, when, when, the, when the chips are down and, and it's going badly, they run away from f- uh, fellowship. And that's the very time to, to rush into Christian fellowship. That's the very time to come and say, I'm in trouble, please pray for me, please help me. So if that's you, please um, don't run away the next time. Okay, so the big group, the Sunday meeting is so important. Then we go to a smaller group, the small group meetings or the home fellowship meetings. Jesus Christ ministered to the masses over three years of his ministry, but he also ministered to a group of 12 that he called to disciple. And I believe he uh, caused a precedent here, um, and, and, and it was a model for us to follow. And the early church jumped on it straight away. And they became involved with each other. And Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 onwards. I'm just going to read a few verses over here, here and there. Um, in, in Acts 2, 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the fellowship. Acts chapter 2, 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. They couldn't get enough for fellowship. They met every day, and, and their lives were enriched. Their lives were blessed. They were full of joy. They were full of peace. They, ha- they impacted upon their, their city. And um, sometimes it's, it's difficult to, to bring the wayward Christian in and, and to convince them that they need fellowship. Why are they languishing? Because they're not part of a fellowship group. Randy Fragi says from the beginning, God designed and hardwired us for community. Community is not a nice-to-have addition, but an essential experience for living a godly and healthy life. God intended for us to have rich, life-giving relationships with each other. To have rich, life-giving relationships with each other. And that's what the small group does. It's life-giving. It enriches us. We are impoverished when we don't get into a small group. Non-Christians don't generally come to church, but they are in their social clubs, whatever that is, bridge club or tennis club or whatever, yuxkei. Um, they're there, they're in clubs. Why? Because God's wired them for it. Wired us for it. We're wired for fellowship. And, and, and the big group is not enough 
for us to have in-depth fellowship, to share our lives, to enjoy each other's company and, and um, instruction. We need them. We need each other. Fellowship, this word fellowship, it says devoted themselves to fellowship. What does this mean? It means to have and to share something together, something in common. So what, what do we share? We share spiritual life, don't we? we? We share the life of Christ, of transforming grace. We share the love of God. We share the love for the Word of God. We share the love of having fellowship with one another. We share the love of worshiping together. We share the love of reaching the lost. We share the love of, uh, of ext extending the kingdom of God. We share the love of family. We are family. We are family. Uh, when I was first saved, I, was, I chose to be an only child. But when I was first saved, I came into a church and, and I looked around and was like, Wow, I've got uncles and aunties and brothers and sisters and cousins and grandparents. Man, to me it was, it was amazing. And we were united, not by playing Yerkeskei. We, we were united spiritually, deeper than even blood relatives. There's a spiritual connection here, people. And it's strong and it's deep. This is fellowship. We share with one another in fellowship. It's got to go deep. It's got to go deep. It says um, in, in the word that the one another um, is used nearly 50 times in Scripture. Is that significant? Of course. 50 times, nearly 50 times. One another. Love one another. Be devoted to one another. We read it in Acts. Be, they devoted themselves to each other. Romans 12, 10 and 11. Be devoted to one, one another. We can't do that out, out of the context of a small group. We can't. Can I ask you, are you devoted to one another? Can you honestly say, I'm devoted to this church, to a small group, to some people in this church? And too often Christians use the church as a social club. They come in, they pay the dues, and, you know, like, you know, where, where is this guy? You know, oh, we saw him last month. Um... But he's battling. Well, why is he battling? Because he's not devoted to one another. And it's in the context of the spiritual zeal and the spiritual fervor that you read in Romans chapter 12. It's connected to being devoted to one another. I mean, I'm trying to encourage you now. I see some, some very serious faces over here. And um, I'm trying to push you there so that you can say, oh, wow, this is great. Okay, so we've been from the bigger group to the smaller group. And now let's get, let's get smaller. Let's get tighter. What about mentors? Jesus had a group of 12, didn't he? And then he had a group, a smaller group, Peter, James, and John. And he mentored them. He, he got alongside them. Man, wouldn't, wouldn't I give my back teeth to be mentored by Jesus? And that, that, was, that would have been amazing. Um, but he, he modeled it. And, and you read through the New Testament and the older guys, the more mature guys, mentor the younger guys. I often have people saying, is it really necessary? Do I, do I have to uh, you know, have a mentor? What, what, what is it all about? Well, if Jesus modeled it and the New Testament sets that pattern, yeah, it's, it's for our good. Uh, uh, you know, this is the only time you can be greedy. Greedy for more of God. 
And uh, if we really are greedy, if we really want to grow in our faith, then we need to commit ourselves to a mentor. John Maxwell uh, says that if you have never had a mentor, you have no idea how much it can improve your life. It's hard to improve when you have no one but yourself to follow. In, uh, when we were in the army, they, they said that you, you'll go full circle. If you're on your own and you're lost in the bushes, you'll go full circle. Usually you go full circle. And there are many Christians who go in circles because they're not following anybody else. They're following themselves and they get nowhere, nowhere fast. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20 says, Who walks with the wise grows wise. He who walks with the wise grows wise. So what are we looking for when we're looking for a mentor? And what does it look like to become a mentor? Well, we ask the two questions because we need to look for one and we need to aim to become one. Right? So John Maxwell makes some suggestions. A a good mentor is a worthy example. Look for a person who walks the talk. They might look good far away, um, but close up what, what they really like. Is he a good example? Do, do, do we want to become like, like them? Because the experts say we become like our mentors. Like um, people say you become like your dog. You look, start looking like your dog eventually. And I got rid of my bull terrier when I heard that. And, um, but... It, I think it was a bit too late. Um, so Jesus says in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1, follow my example as I follow Christ. And he also said in 1 Corinthians 4, 16, I urge you to imitate me. What? We've got to imitate you? We've got to imitate Jesus, you know? Yes, we do have to imitate Jesus. But follow me as I follow Christ. In the things that you see of Christ, you can follow. You can follow. You can imitate and so there's not going to be a perfect uh, mentor, right? Any perfect mentors here? No, not one. So don't look for a perfect guy because you won't find him in another church either or any other, other church. There's, there's, no, there's none around. A worthy example. Secondly, a proven experience. Everybody can learn from somebody else who's been further down the road. Amen? Chinese proverb, to know the road ahead, ask those coming back. Yeah. Newlyweds, you know, can learn a lot. You can learn so much from more experienced people who've been down the road a little while and who are still very much in love, 5, 10, 20, 50 years down the track. If they're not in love, ooh, you know, don't, don't go that way. Those struggling with finances can look for someone who has... Um, overcome their financial difficulties and problems, and they can learn from them. So how did you handle this, you know, the this, this stress of finances? And don't we all go through that? Uh, of addictions, um, people can learn uh, from others who have overcome various addictions. I was with a lady this week, Elaine, and I visited a lady of 89, and her daughter was left the house, and uh, she had an, an addiction, gambling addiction, and the house was taken from under, underneath them, this lady traveled the world at one time and was living, the, two, the, the daughter and, and, the, and the mother, in one little room. One little room. The daughter was, was doing two jobs. She works Saturdays and Sundays as well. Addiction 
is, uh, is, a, is a terrible thing. We can learn from others. Whatever it is, there are so many areas that we can learn from others who are further down the road. A good mentor possesses wisdom. We arrived in Somerset West from our church planting, and we were back in South Africa. They brought us onto leadership. We hardly knew anybody. Pete Harbrown said, come be a part of a panel of six older guys, and you're going to minister to 18 and to 30-year-old guys, and they're going to ask you any question, every question under the sun, for six weeks. Like, what? Oh. I went into panic, like fear, like, what? It's not going to work. It's like, what, what are we going to be able to speak about, you know, after the third week? You know, we'll run out of answers, questions. I was gobsmacked. It was like, it, it was so amazingly successful. I had to repent of my, my negative, negativity beforehand. And that Sunday after our first meeting, I was, I was mobbed. And I grabbed, uh, I grabbed my, my, my wallet as, as these young guys came around me. And then I realized, no, hang on, these, these, these are the guys that came on the course with me. Um, and they said, uh, my name is this and my name is this. And, you know, it, it was so meaningful. So thank you so much. I'm like, I was, I was really taken aback. and was like, went back and I thought about it and thought, well, you know, us old toppies take, take things for, for granted. You know, we've, we've gone through life, we've, we've learned the hard way, we've learned from our mistakes, um, and, and, and we've got a thing, thing, thing or two to share with the younger generation that we, we actually sometimes don't even realize that, that we had. So the, the hour-long session for six weeks, that they didn't want an hour, they wanted one and a half to two hours. And it was, it was incredible. So their, um, their youth and their inexperience was bumped up. And um, they were given stuff to enable them to cope with life. The things that were ahead of them, the things that they were going to encounter, where they might encounter a problem, they, they had a foot start. People need each other, not just when they're younger, but all through life, right to our very end. So it's not just for the young. We're not saying this in this illustration over here. Good mentors provide friendship and support. So at the heart of being looking for a mentor and being a mentor, we need to be um, committed to the person that we're helping. It's not for ourselves, not to look good or to give the, you know, the right answers and think, mm, you know, aren't I great? No, but we, we learn from our experiences. So it's not a classroom classroom situation where it's, okay, turn, turn to the book of um, um, Solomon and, um, you know, did, did you learn the first chapter? Um, nothing, nothing of the kind. It's, it's friendship. It's, it's, it's relationships. So uh, Errol Mulder came and, um, to the Queenstown Baptist Church. He took over from an older pastor. And uh, Errol was just a few years older than myself. And uh, we, we struck up a friendship. I just started teaching at Queen's, and um, we were both single, so we did stuff together. Um, <laughs> in those days, in those days um, it was a bit frowned upon to go to the movies, and there was a great movie on, and I said to Errol, hey, come with, come with to the movie, and he said, no, dare not. So I said, ah, I took a long time to persuade him. Eventually, I said, I'll, I'll, I'll buy the tickets, and at interval, when the lights go down, I'll come out, and then just, you just slip in. We got a back seat. Errol slipped in the back, you know, way, way down low. And um, 
Sorry, that was meant to be funny, but um, <laughs> it's a hard crowd to please. Um, times have changed. Times have changed. What I'm, why I'm saying it is that we, we did stuff together. We just did ordinary stuff together. We didn't, we didn't sign a contract. We didn't, we didn't say, formalize this, you are my mentor now. Um, and I will, I will, you know, humbly submit to, to you. But in, just in, in the everyday experiences, I, I'd fire, you know, hundreds of questions and say, hey, have you, you know, what does this, you know, and what does this verse say? And I was talking, I was thinking of going into ministry and, you know, it was like frightening stuff for me at that time. And he was such a mentor. But he spoke into my life and some of the stuff was Aina. Some, it's like, oh, gracious, does he have to be so, so hard on me? But I knew he had my back. I knew he was my friend. So when we are, are mentors, we, we, can, we can speak the hard stuff to each other because we've built the bridges and um, they sustain us. A good mentor is available. He's approachable to allow us to scrutinize his life. He's available for us um, on a regular basis. If, if a mentor is away, you know, and you can only get hold of each other every six months, it's not going to work. So we need someone who's, who's there and uh, who we can touch down with. So example, experience, wisdom, friendship, support, and availability. So we've moved from the bigger to the smaller pictures to the mentor. And the last one is having a friend. Proverbs 27, 9 says, The pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. The pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. Proverbs 27, 9. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So finding a friend is, um, that's on the same spiritual level as you, is, is quite important to be able to grapple with the Word of God, to be able to grapple with the things that we go through, we can share our fears, our failures, our aspirations, our dreams, our vision, um, our uncertainties. And we can go to the Word and we can grapple with the Word of God. And of course it goes even deeper than that. Or it can start as, um, as simply as getting together uh, on a regular basis over coffee and saying, so what has God been saying to you in the last while? So what has God been saying to you? In the last while, when my, when my friend said that to me in the beginning, way back, I was like, really? Does God speak? <laughs> Next time I was ready. It's like, God, you've got to speak to me. You know, I've got, uh, please open my ears. Let me hear a mutual accountability. And it's, it's good to have that mutual accountability. And so um, Ecclesiastes 4 gives us great advice about finding a friend who will be able to help us through our ups and downs of life. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12 says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Jesus is the third part of that threefold strand. How precious is that, that um, when we're up, the other guy's down, we can help them and vice versa. So we help others uh, because we know that there will come a time when we will need their help. So we help 
we keep helping one another uh, as, we, as we journey through life. Wouldn't it be amazing if, if everybody here in this room found a, found a friend? If we prayed about it and said, Lord, if, if you don't have a friend already, I'm sure that many of you do have that kind of friend where you can just open your heart to and you can be vulnerable, you, you can be honest and open. Um, and that each one developed a trustworthy friend. There will be very few pastoral cares or pastoral needs. They will be cared for. I was, I was sharing this with the bigger congregation and thinking, not that we don't want people to come knocking, um, knocking at our door for help, for counsel. That, that's not what's behind this whole thing. But a lot of issues are dealt with in the initial stages, and if they're not dealt with then, they, they get out of, become out of proportion in the end. And, uh, and then it's a whole big chumos. It's like, like, um, like a, a marriage that, that um, gets onto the rocks because people don't seek advice, don't seek counsel. And uh, so how long has this been going for? Um, about a year. And then they want you to wave the magic wand over them and it doesn't, doesn't work like that. It needs to be dealt with in the initial stages. It needs to be talked through in the initial stages. So if we as friends can catch each other at that, at that point, um, then, then, then something good will happen. Um, we, we've had in the past, you know, cell leaders giving up and you know, doing all sorts of strange things because they haven't had that intimacy with, with a friend to say, I'm in trouble. And if the friend can't cope, then the friend can say, look, I think you really need to go and speak to one of the elders, one of the pastors about that. We're looking for spiritual growth. We're looking for spiritual vitality, aren't we? Relationships, relationships, relationships. Rick Warren says, nothing shapes your life more than the commitments you choose to make. Your commitments can develop you or they can destroy you. But either way, they will define you. Tell me what you're committed to and I'll tell you what you will be like in 20 years' time. We become whatever we are committed to. So can I say to you, give you a challenge, be committed to be regular in this fellowship, uh, uh, unless work or sickness or whatever takes, takes you away. Be committed to a, a small group. Um, be committed to a mentor and looking for one. Maybe that will bu bump up some of the more mature people. What, me? No. Ah, I, can't, I can't do that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. In God, we can. Uh, and friendships. And so let's, let's um, deepen our relationships in God. Are there any first-time visitors here? Well, this special applause is just for you. <laughs> Wonderful. Lovely having you with us. Trust that you'll feel very much at home today, especially after I talk to our people. <laughs> Let's pray. Maybe if you do not know the most important relationship, which is Jesus, he's here today and he wants to come into your life and change your life. Take away your sin, take away your, your agony and your heartache. And he will give you a new life. The Bible says, if, if any man is in Christ, he's a new cre creature, new creation. All things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Speak to us after the meeting if God 
is not in your life, if Jesus is not your Savior, not your friend, he wants to become your friend and Savior today. Our God, our Father, we know that spiritual maturity is not a solitary individual pursuit. We cannot grow in Christ-likeness in isolation. We need to interact with others in order to grow. So we give ourselves to you, Lord. Forgive us for being in isolation in any respect. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen.